Hello, my name is Andrew Laposha, and welcome to the Twilight Years. On today's episode, we will be discussing the death and final years of Beatle George Harrison. George Harrison was the lead guitarist and occasional lead singer of the Beatles, perhaps the greatest and most influential rock band in music history. While history has been most kind to his fellow bandmates Paul McCartney and John Lennon, George was a strong part of their legacy too. He wrote some of their best songs, such as Taxman, Here Comes the Sun, While My Guitar Gently Weeps, and Something, a song Frank Sinatra stated was one of his favorites. Often known as the Quiet Beatle, he embraced Indian culture, often adding Hindu-inspired instrumentation into their work. Many claim that this move broadened the scope of popular music. After the Beatles broke up in 1970, George enjoyed a successful solo career, which produced three number one hits. In the late 1980s, he co-founded the all-star supergroup The Traveling Wilburys, which consisted of him, Jeff Lynne of the Electric Light Orchestra, Tom Petty, Roy Orbison, and Bob Dylan. All of the members of the Beatles had tumultuous personal lives, and George was no exception. He had a very unhappy marriage to model Patty Boyd that fizzled out after several years due to his drug abuse and infidelity, the final straw being the affair he had with Ringo Starr's wife. After their divorce, Boyd married George's friend and frequent collaborator Eric Clapton. George did remarry, though, to a secretary from his production company Dark Horse Records named Olivia, with whom they had a child named Danny. Yes, George's life had its ups and downs, but he was brilliant. By the early 1990s, George and his fellow ex-bandmates were well aware of the impact the Beatles were having on popular culture. Amongst other things, hundreds of books were being written about the band. George lamented that while most of them got the basic story correct, there were many myths and legends that got repeated so many times that the original story was jumbled. And not only that, but most books seemed incomplete due to the fact that they had been written without the cooperation of the band members. In late 1993, all the surviving Beatles agreed to put together a massive documentary called Anthology. At long last, the factual and true story of the Beatles would be in one place. Along with the production of Anthology, they agreed to put out a CD which would feature outtakes as well as alternate takes on some of their greatest hits. There were also plans for a huge coffee table book that would detail their true story. There was a rumor that George was low on money and about to file for bankruptcy. However, he dismissed these claims, calling them rubbish. George's bigger concern was whether or not he could deal with being around Paul and Ringo that much. While going over all archives could be fun, there was always the chance that the unfriendly business dealings with their production company, Apple Records, could come up. And of course, going over old memories could reopen old wounds. One aspect of the upcoming CD would be the release of a new song. John Lennon had been murdered in 1980, but old demo tapes he had recorded in the 70s were being found. They were for the songs Free as a Bird and Real Love. John had more done them as a form of experimentation and had no intent on releasing them. But his widow Yoko Ono felt that with new studio technology, enough could be cobbled together to put out the first legitimate Beatles record since 1970's Let It Be. George, Paul, and Ringo agreed to it, saying it would be a great tribute to John, as well as a marketing ploy for anthology. Jeff Lynne was brought in to produce the project. The atmosphere in the studio was unusual, due in part to John's absence. On top of that, the quality of his recordings were not up to par. John's singing was off-key, and the guitar playing was simple. There were also pops and crackles in the recording. 
Paul and George had always had a love-hate relationship with each other, and while there was some friction during the recording, they got along relatively well. They even went into the recording studio in George's home in the UK, which was called Friar Park, and with a small audience that consisted of director Bob Smeaton and two cameramen, they performed together for the first time since 1969. Anthology premiered on American television in November 1995 to huge ratings. When the recording for Free as a Bird came out around the same time, reviews were mixed, but George's guitar work was praised. George was not too crazy about the songs, turning down the opportunity to do a third one. He later commented, I hope somebody does this to all of my crap demos when I'm dead, make them into hit songs. Shortly after Anthology's release, George filed a suit against Dennis O'Brien, his former business manager, and it was brought to trial. George was suing O'Brien because he kept 16 million pounds from George over the course of 12 years. George won eventually, with O'Brien having to pay him 6.7 million pounds in damages. Throughout 1996, George was songwriting at a rapid pace with plans to release a new album soon. However, his good friend Ravi Shankar approached George about an album called Sounds of India, asking if George would produce and appear on the album. Having not collaborated with his friend professionally in a long time, George obliged. It was an experimental kind of album. Shankar did his usual sitar playing, but there was a modern jazz element to it. It created sounds that were both old and new. The album was critically well received. George made his last television appearance in May of 1997 on a VH1 special to promote the album. George hated going to the doctor. Even during his days with the Beatles, he would often walk around when he was sick, only giving in to doctor's advice as a last resort. In his later years, he relied on the power of prayer and Indian mysticism to cure his illnesses, often with less than stellar results. In July 1997, George was in his garden when he noticed a lump on his neck. This time, George did go to the hospital where throat cancer was discovered. Surgery was performed and the lump was removed. However, he was forced to undergo another surgery, this time for cancer in his lung. The doctors were convinced that the lung cancer was in its early stages and that they had gotten to it in time. After the surgery, George made very few public appearances. He sang at the funeral of rockabilly legend Carl Perkins in Jackson, Tennessee in early 1998. In May of that year, he represented the Beatles at London's High Court in a successful bid to gain control of a bootleg recording of a 1962 performance at the Star Club in Hamburg. He was also active in promoting the re-release of their movie Yellow Submarine. However, that same year, George fell ill again. His cancer returned, settling in his throat again. George went through a massive amount of radiation treatment. When it was finished, his doctors announced that it was successful and George was on the path to recovery. George himself released a statement saying, I am not going to die on you folks just yet. I am very lucky. George's recent bouts with cancer inspired him to devote even more time to songwriting. He was at peace with the fact that he might not be around much longer. During an interview, he broke one of his own privacy rules and played some demos of new songs. In that same interview, George stated that he was working on a new solo album to be titled Portrait of a Lake End. In the early morning hours of December 30th, 1999, George and his wife Olivia were awakened to the sound of breaking glass. Someone had broken into their house. George went to investigate and found himself face to face with a mental patient named Michael Abram, who was holding a knife. According to a psychiatric examination, Abram was convinced the Beatles were witches and that they were controlling his mind. In an attempt to drive Abram away, George shouted, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna at him. However, the intruder was not phased. He lunged at George and dug the knife into his chest. 
It didn't hit his heart, but it punctured a lung. Blood started to flow from his mouth in the chest wound. With all the strength George could muster, he and Abram wrestled on the floor. Olivia heard all the commotion and grabbed a brass poker. She ran downstairs and hit Abram multiple times in the head. At one point, Abram knocked her to the ground, but Olivia kept beating him. A servant called the police amidst the brawl, and they took their intruder into custody. Both George and Olivia were rushed to Royal Berkshire Hospital. George was having breathing difficulties. By this point, his punctured lung had collapsed. A drainage tube was inserted to remove any excess fluid and air. George kept a sense of humor, saying that the man wasn't a burglar, but he wasn't auditioning for the traveling Wilburys. Olivia's injuries were minor, and she was discharged, staying at George's side. He was then transferred to the special chest unit at Hartfield Hospital in West London. His condition was eventually upgraded from critical to stable. Ringo, Yoko Ono, and Beatle producer George Martin all released statements expressing their sadness and well wishes. There was a rumor that Paul and Ringo beefed up their security. By December 31st, George was improving. He was given antibiotics and painkillers. On January 1st, an x-ray showed a major improvement, but doctors still wanted to keep him in the hospital another week. Despite this, George was secretly discharged later that night. The news was not released until the next day. George wanted to avoid any publicity connected to the incident. Crowds already began to form outside Fire Park. He fell into a deep depression and spent very little time in public. He made one public appearance in 2000 playing guitar on a song for the band Ruby Horse. He did continue writing, but he was in a grim mood. He said that he debated calling his next LP The Planet is Doomed Volume 1. He did plan to record a new album, which he hoped would be released in November 2001. In November 2000, Michael Abrams' trial ended. He had pled not guilty due to reasons of insanity. The court agreed that Abram had a complex delusional system. He was sentenced to a psychiatric hospital. In early 2001, George began to experience health issues once again. He was having trouble breathing and was showing signs of fatigue. He went to the doctor where a cancerous growth was discovered on one of his lungs. George secretly flew to the United States in April and entered the Mayo Clinic, where surgery was performed to remove the growth. On May 3rd, he announced that he had underwent successful lung surgery. He even said that it went so well he was about to embark on a family vacation to the Italian region of Tuscany. However, the press felt like there was something fishy about this announcement. They feared that the end was near. Some thought he was even already dead. In June 2001, the truth came out. George was being treated for a brain tumor at a clinic in Switzerland. If you're like me and you wanted to start a podcast but were not very tech-savvy, you wouldn't have known what to do. Then I heard about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. While in Switzerland, Ringo Starr came to visit him. However, Ringo's visit was cut short when he learned he had to travel back to Boston because his daughter was to undergo emergency brain surgery. A week, George quipped, do you want me to come with you? Despite the news of George's diagnosis, he insisted he was doing fine. In fact, many close to him insisted the same thing. Every day, he received boatloads of mail and fans gathered outside his house to sing and pray. 
By November 2001, George had taken a turn for the worse. He traveled to Staten Island University Hospital in New York, where he checked in under the name Arias, which was Olivia's maiden name. There, he was treated by Dr. Gil Lederman, a doctor practicing a cancer treatment procedure called fractionated stereotactic radiosurgery, a treatment which uses high doses of radiation. Dr. Lederman was a very controversial character. He appeared on news programs revealing confidential information about George's hospitalization. He also felt that he had developed a certain kind of bond with George. He brought in his 13-year-old son to sing and play guitar for George. After the doctor's son played, he gave George the guitar to autograph. George said, I don't even know if I know how to spell my name anymore. Dr. Lederman took George's hand and guided it through the autograph. During George's hospital stay, Paul McCartney paid George a visit. The two talked for six hours reminiscing. George was due to travel to Los Angeles for continued medical treatment. Paul even offered a home he had there for George to stay at. After a stop at UCLA Medical Center, George went to Paul's house to live out his final days. A report released on November 25th said that George would not last the week. Ravi Shankar stopped by to say his goodbyes and play sitar music. He placed two pictures of the Hindu gods, Krishna and Rama, around his bed and chanted the Krishna mantra. At 1.20 p.m. on November 29, 2001, George died at the age of 58. About 20 minutes after his death, workers from Hollywood Forever Cemetery came to pick up his body. George was taken to their crematorium where he was cremated in a cardboard casket. From there, Olivia and their son took George's cremains to India where his ashes were scattered in the Ganges River. Shortly after George's death, comedian Mike Myers said in an interview that the last letter George ever wrote was to him. George stated what a fan he was of Myers and his Austin Powers films and was wondering if he could get a doll based on the mini-me character. Myers was deeply honored and framed the letter, which he keeps in his home. George's final album, Brainwash, was released posthumously after it was completed by his son, Danny, and Jeff Lynne. A quotation from the Bhagavad Gita is included in the album's liner notes that says, There never was a time when you or I did not exist, nor will there be any future where we shall cease to be. A media-only single stuck inside a cloud reached number 27 on Billboard's adult contemporary chart. The single Any Road, released in May 2003, peaked at number 37 on the UK singles chart. Marwa Blues went on to receive the 2004 Grammy Award for Best Pop Instrumental Performance, while Any Road was nominated for Best Male Pop Vocal Performance. In July of 2002, Michael Abram was released from the mental hospital he was staying at. He never served a day in jail. In January 2004, George's estate sued Dr. Lederman for $10 million. They also wanted the guitar that George had signed against his will. Years later, Dr. Lederman was sued yet again over an unrelated Medicare fraud case. George's death holds a special place for me personally. His was the first celebrity death I distinctly remember. I was 10 years old at the time of his death. You could maybe say it became the start of my unusual interest in celebrity deaths. The Beatles are still cultural institutions. New generations are always discovering them. They will always be part of the cultural zeitgeist, and George is a huge part of their legacy. Thank you all for listening to The Twilight Years. Please don't forget to follow and subscribe, and if possible, leave me a review. Follow me on Facebook and Twitter. The links are included in the description of this episode. Do you have someone you would like to see talked about on this podcast? Let me know and I will do my best to get to them. Thank you all for listening. My name is Andrew Laposha, and I will see you next time. Thank you.